welcome to the Dogs and Deadlifts Building Better Dogs and People podcast. Join your host, Daniel Rose, as we discuss everything canine and human strength and conditioning. We talk to experts, hear from people in the know, and just talk the latest on strength and conditioning for both people and their pups. We are about building better dogs and people. Good morning and welcome back to the uh, Dogs and Deadlifts podcast. All the way from Canada today, we have uh, Leah Likos from the Canine Movement Lab. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Look, I'm sensational. It's uh, Easter weekend and uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, the Easter bunny is on his way with a heap of chocolates for me. So super excited for tomorrow. (laughs) Nice. And uh, yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm actually in Maine. Oh, sorry. I do apologize. Yeah, for pretty close reason. to Canada. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When I was looking up time zones, I was like, uh, um, you know, obviously trying to figure it all out. And yeah, it was very, very close. So I do apologize for that, actually. So we'll go back and uh, cancel that. So not from Canada. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to college in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, well, so. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll glass that. <laughs> all good. So, all right, uh, Leah, do you want to just give us a, um, a little bit of background about yourself? Um, you know, how you sort of came, came about, um, you know, go back as far as you want um, in regards to uh, uh, dogs and dog training. And then, you know, we'll talk about uh, the canine movement lab and, and how that sort of got started, etc. But before we do that, yeah, go back as far as you like and to get a bit of a, a background about yourself. Oh boy. I mean, I could go way, way back to like grade school. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wherever you feel like you want to go. (laughs) Yeah. I guess like my first dog, I took to an obedience class when I was 12. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, since then I've just always had a dog Mm -hmm. and been kind of confused about dog training early on, like watching Caesar Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, adopting some pretty difficult dogs with human aggression, dog aggression. And to sort of condense the story a little bit, you know, I went to a couple different trainers that were sort of using that Caesar mm-hmm. method and it seemed to make the dogs worse mm-hmm. and more aggressive. Okay. Uh, so then I found Kevin Bean, and he's the creator of natural dog training. Mm-hmm which um, really taps into the dog's natural drives and uses food and toys. And it's all positive, but it's really based on the dog's drive rather than this sort of like top-down dominance school, you know? Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, I'm not familiar with... um for of his his work you know obviously i've um gone over a little bit of your work but um not familiar so i might um yeah i might obviously look into that a little bit a little bit further um so that was with your own dogs yeah so i did work with kevin as a client and then Mm -hmm. an apprentice and then i've sort of like adapted some of his stuff to my own style Mm -hmm based on my experiences and also like, you know, taking workshops with other trainers and, um, but really the basis of it is 
working with the dog's natural predatory drive. So we actually do a lot of like bite work, tug work. That's pretty common actually mm -hmm. these days. Like Jay yep. Jack teaches a lot of that stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, awesome. And, um, you know, that sort of, you know, once you did that sort of fast forward, how long or when did you start the canine movement lab? I guess officially started training dogs in 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Jump, just jump straight in. <laughs> yeah. I had been working with Kevin since 2011. So for about four years, mm -hmm. kind of getting my own dogs straightened out yeah. and um, then feeling like I really understood the paradigm and, and Kevin's methods and mm -hmm had the confidence to like then reach out and help other people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. And what sort of uh, dogs do you have at the moment? I have two rescue dogs. They're like bully breed mixes. Yeah. You know, you never really know. One of them kind of actually looks like an American Pitbull Terrier. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other one's bigger and people think she's a Pitbull because she came with cropped ears. Okay. Um, but she's really way too big to actually be a pit bull. <laughs> and they both have dog issues. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, obviously with rescues, I always say, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, like uh, my um, my other my last dog, uh, Sunday, I adopted her as a, she, they told me she was supposed to be a, you know, a staffy. You know, she's a white, white staffy. Um, she looked like a, a Kelpie cross bull terrier, you know, by the time she was one, she, you know, very pointy ears and uh, very lean body. Um, but as a puppy, she looked like just like all the, you know, another, another little staffy puppy. Yeah. Um, so you, sometimes you just don't know what you get when you, you know, when you rescue, hey, um, but that, you know, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, the Canine Movement Lab and what you guys do um, now, yeah, to help people with their dogs. Yeah, I mainly do private sessions. Um, sometimes I do puppy classes. I really prefer to work one-on-one -on -one with the owner just because every owner mm -hmm. has their own approach to mm -hmm. their dog and their relationship with the dog. And every dog is different and needs a little bit of individualized attention. Like I can't really give a cookie cutter, like here's step one, two, and three. Like every dog is really unique. Yeah. Um, so I do private sessions some puppy stuff, some like basic obedience stuff, but also I really tend to specialize in dogs with like a bite history or a fight mm -hmm. history. Again, like just dealing with the aggression that a lot of the rescues, you know, they come with a lot of emotional baggage or reactivity or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no, awesome. Um, and I know that, um, you know, we're, uh, in a few, you know, obviously same, um, sort of a few circles and things like that, but, um, uh, I'd like to have a chat about, um, you know, how you're using CRT and, and how that's going for you. And, uh, you know, um, bit of a deep dive into that. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, how did you discover, I suppose, uh, CRT, <laughs> you know, for those out there that don't know, canine resistant training, drag work, you may have heard me talk about um, uh, that in a pr few previous episodes, one with Jay Jack, one with uh, the founder, uh, Ashley. Um, but yeah, how did you come across it? I actually, I had a Facebook group um, where I invited clients and also the public just to join and talk about mm -hmm dog stuff. And, um, another trainer had actually recommended Ashley's online mm -hmm. 
program and it ended up being a really good fit for my dogs just because they are bully breed dogs and they love to work. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Um, you know, I'm introducing it to as many people as possible. You know, I love it. Love it. You know, and uh, Ashley's great. And, um, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, fantastic results from, from you know, a number of different uh, dogs that just love to, you know, love to work. So, um, so you got, uh, you reached out and did the, the building blocks um, uh, initial program with your own dogs? I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, My dogs are actually 10 and 13. They're a little older. So I started with my 10 year old Mm -hmm. and she ended up coming up lame and needing like physical therapy and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we still do the program, but I actually Mm -hmm. certified with my older dog, who's a little bit smaller and she's Mm -hmm. 13 and um, she loves it. Yeah. I mean, they both love it. I have to be a little bit careful with the younger dog, Freya, just because she has, she came with like an old injury that will act up every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, your, your client base have been, um, you know, I suppose when you first bring out a, uh, say a, a harness and, and, you know, some chains and stuff like that to, you know, the general public, they're sometimes like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I'm like, just relax. It's all good. <laughs> how, yeah. um, how have your, um, your clients uh, uh, been receptive of it? Pretty well, actually. And even though, you know, I did mention like my dogs happen to be bully breed mixes and they yeah. love to work, but I actually, recommend it for almost all of my clients, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that have um, dogs with some behavioral issues, just because, you know, in addition to like the physical benefits, I really feel like emotionally, it helps resolve a lot of stress for the dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so I actually have a little client dog. She, she's a, she's a little just mixed rescue and she kind of looks like a doodle, Um, (laughs) but she, she loves to pull. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Like, um, you know, my Frenchie, I've got a little Frenchie. You probably see him up in the background there um, in, in his painting. Um, you know, I've got him a harness and, um, you know, he, he jumps into it as well. He, he come to me as a, um, a rescue and, uh, you know, with a bit of a bite history as well. So, um, you know, he, he gets into it and, um, you know, certainly see um, it's a great piece of the, you know, piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And that's, you know, something that I'd like to obviously chat to you about as well. You know, um, I know that you've done some, uh, some podcasts on it yourself on a, a number of different things, but, you know, I believe it's a, it's a great one, one piece of the puzzle. It's not, you know, going to go, Hey, you do this, you know, three times a week, uh, drag work, and it's going to fix your fucking dogs, uh, issues, you know? Right. Which, which general, you know, general public sometimes thinks, hey, yeah, this is this is going to be do. All I got to do is walk him. Oh, sorry, I'll I'll try and convert. All I have to do is walk him two miles a, a you know, two miles a day, dragging, you know, twenty percent of his his body weight, and he's fixed. Like, dude, no. Right. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do want that, like, mm-hmm. kind of that formula or like a quick fix or like mm-hmm. just one thing that's going to be the remedy. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them it's like, it's exactly what you said. It's just a piece of the puzzle. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, and I'm on a bit of a mission <laughs> and I, I told Ashley and when I was talking to Jay on my podcast as well, that, you know, just to, to really, you know, get the word out there for, um, 
uh, you know, people and uh, um, other trainers to be incorporating it into their their programs um, as much as as much as possible. You know, um, you know, Jay, we you know talked about how he felt that we were thirty years behind in regards to um, you know uh, strength and conditioning for uh, for dogs as we are you know thirty years potentially thirty years behind uh, the humans. You know. Um, but we're, we're certainly making uh, great progress in that space. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, once again, drag work is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, but I'd love to, you know, um, jump into, you know, I know the, about a little bit about nutrition and your views and things like that on how you sort of put, I suppose, the drag work into the puzzle of, of the, the play, the nutrition and stuff like that, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My dogs, um, my dogs eat raw mm -hmm. and, um, I am always researching and learning more about how to feed raw. I do have a, a naturopath for them that mm -hmm. did a consultation for me and we took them off of all plant matter. Mm -hmm. And so they just eat meat, organ, bone. Mm -hmm. Um, they seem to be doing really well on that, but then I listen to like your podcast with Narelle and I'm like, oh no, maybe they're missing something. Yeah. Um, so it can be a little bit complicated, but I think if you just look at the, the dog and, um, you know, do, are they, is, how's their gait? Like, I feel like once I took them off, I was feeding them some carbs too, like sweet mm -hmm. potatoes as the plant matter. And that yeah. was probably causing some inflammation. Yeah. Um, so like I noticed, you know, their, um, mobility got a lot better when I removed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like just on the podcast, you know, last week or whatever it was, you know, um, with Nerelle, you know, um, you know, introducing some plant matter, but I think it might be just a matter of, um, you know, every dog's different, you know, like as we, as we just spoke about, you know, um, have you had a chance to listen to, um, the guys that I spoke to around, um, they're called Sen, Sen Oil. Um, so, um, the guys, they're, they're Australian based. So, um, but they, we had a really, really good chat about, um, you know, additional supplementations of omega three, six and nine and turmeric and a few other bits and pieces as well. It was, it's um, a really good chat that we had. Um, that's probably about a month ago now. So, you know, okay, yeah, yeah it's a, check that out. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, you know, not, um, you know, something that I, I really advocate for is we're not selling their fucking product. And I said that to, you know, on the podcast, hey guys, I just want to hear about your background, how, yes, how you come up with the product, etc. But we're not here to, to um, you know, the flog the shit out of your product. It's not an infomercial. <laughs> 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 you know, um, you know, and it worked out, it came out really, really good. I was really happy with it. Um, so, you know, yeah, look, I, look, I'm a big believer in it. It starts with nutrition, you know, and, and, you know, would you agree? Oh yeah. I would say there's two things that I preach to my clients all the time, which yeah. is change to raw mm -hmm. and reduce vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think those have both of those actually have a huge impact also on the dog's behavior. Mm -hmm. um, because if the dog's not feeling well physically, they're not going to feel well mentally or emotionally mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it, you know? Yeah. Um, and how is that recepted in, in your community of, um, you know, I suppose or with your clients? People are hesitant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, it can be complicated and a little more expensive to feed raw, but mm -hmm. honestly, my dogs, uh, like I said, they're 10 and 13. They're mm -hmm. extremely healthy and I hardly ever take them to the vet. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't need teeth cleanings. Mm -hmm. They don't have, they're not on any meds. Yeah. And I feel like it all evens out in the end, but it gives the dog a much higher quality of life. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, like I've got, oh, look, I'm on the same page, you know, like I uh, said, so both my, or, or I've got three dogs, uh, two G, uh, GSPs, German short hair pointers, uh, one little Frenchie. And, um, you know, the the latest dog that I got is, um, you know, Noah, he's five, he's, he's about five and a half GSP. Um, he's come to me and we, you know, we flipped over a few things in regards to diet, exercise, you know, he's a, he's a bigger dog. He came to me at, you know, nearly, nearly 40 kilos. Um, I put him on a, you know, changed his product in regards to food and, uh, you know, the exercise program that we do, etc. And, you know, I, he's looking fucking great, ready for our bike draw and candy cross season. And he's weighing in at 30, right on 33 kilos last week, you know, but um, just fit as fuck and, and super keen, you know, to work, you know, whereas that information, can, you know, I believe can lead to, you know, a dog being potentially lethargic or, you know, then like I said, that flow has a flow on to behavioral issues which could be you know you know terminology wise we'll say re reactivity <laughs> you know um yeah. you know so um for, you know getting your nutrition right um but i'm not sure what it's like in the u.s but you know um our, you know clients walk you know clients walk into a large pet store here and go holy fuck or I got a new puppy, where do I start? Or there's aisles and aisles of food and marketing, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know where it's do they confusing. negotiate? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, this is my, one of my, my favorite lines It's confusing as fuck the, the, the dog food aisle. Um, and it's something I'm very, very, very passionate about and that people just don't know where to start. Yeah, I mean, that's why I also really recommend people to speak to a small animal naturopath, which mm -hmm. I just hired. She's actually one of my clients. Yeah. And then I hired her to work um, with me for, like I said, my dog's diet. Mm -hmm. um, so even after feeding raw for eight years, mm -hmm. I was like, I I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. And, you know, like I said, I eliminated the plant matter. So you can always make mm -hmm. adjustments. Yeah. And the way I did it was like, I slowly moved away from doing kibble mm -hmm. and started doing home cooked yeah. meals. So yeah. not raw, but like not kibble. Yeah. And I think that's pretty common. Like people are nervous to just jump right into raw. Mm -hmm. So then I just finally took the leap and just bought them some chicken quarters and I threw them the chicken quarters and, you know, they crunch through the bone and it's like kind of freaky at first, but, um, they love it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. and you know, I suppose coming back to you, your clients in particular, how, you know, um, are you assisting them with the transition or are you directing them to a, your, your, you know, your colleague there? Um, you know, or you just saying, just do it, you know, just jump in and do it. What's, what's your procedure around, uh, you know, I suppose getting your clients on board. Yeah. I usually tell them to talk with my naturopath. Um, her name is joy Erickson of mm -hmm. joyfully healthy pets yeah. and her consultation fee is 
very reasonable for the amount of information and meal planning that you would get. Yeah. I mean, you can also just go on Google. I mean, that's what I did to start. I just, you know, and there, you know, you could do prey model, you can do barf, you can do, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, but definitely you have to do some research just to start because Mm -hmm. you can't just feed the dog's chicken. Like you have to rotate proteins. You have to get organ meat. It's really good if you can get tripe. I don't know how it is by you, but it's really difficult to find, um, or to get green tripe here. Mm, Yeah. Um, to be honest, I, I haven't looked for some time, you know, and, uh, I'm um, just trying to think. I think it was a little bit uh, pricey at certain times as well. And so it was, um, depending on where you go, you know, um, which part of Australia you, you're looking for. But uh, um, some things can be a little bit pricey for sure. But, um, you know, as, as you you know, but, you know, if you're just rotating through for me, you know, every, you know, every, say, let's just say if you do a rotation every 12 weeks um, on certain products, or, you know, or every, depending on how often you rotate, you know, some people do, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know, just trying to source it, the source it the best you can. Sometimes it's hard, you know, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I would love to get everything like free range, organic, mm-hmm. grass fed, and that yeah. is expensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, you mentioned on the, before about Norell and I were talking about, um, lamb, lamb in Australia is very, very expensive at the moment, you know, like really expensive. And, um, you know, we're talking about the, you know, bags of kibble having big lamb chops on the, on the front of the bags and, and, you know, really, really expensive cuts of meat as photos on the bag. And you're like, dude, I can't even afford that for myself. There's no way you're putting it in that bag of kibble. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, it doesn't, you know, this is just my opinion and, and correct me if your, your opinion varies, but um, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, just start. And like you said, free range, um, you know, organic, etc. Sometimes it's just, you know, um, a little bit hard to do, you know, so do the best job you can do with the money that you have, you know, and if it, if it means moving away from, um, you know, a bag of kibble that costs, I don't know, um, we say, you know, here in Australia, it'd be $50, uh, you know, for a 20 kilo bag or something, you know, so um, I'm not sure what, you know, what we won't talk about brand names, but, you know, something cheap and nasty for, um, you know, 10, a 10, um, a 10 pound bag, for instance, you know? Yeah, to be honest, it's been so long since I've looked mm. at kibble or bought it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the last time I did, I think, you know, if you get a really good kibble, mm-hmm. if there is such a thing, you know, you <laughs> yeah, can yeah. pay, yeah. you know, one or two dollars a pound. And mm-hmm. if you go to the grocery store, sometimes you can get chicken for two dollars a pound. Yeah. So it's like not really that different if you start to make the transition. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one, one step at a time, you know, so, um, you know, transition is nice and slow and steady for, for some dogs is, is the key as well. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, um, as what's, uh, you know, I suppose that's a big part. But how do you, how do you go with the vaccine side of things? <laughs> you know, um, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I used to run a, I used to run a doggy daycare, um, you know, training center and look, you know, we all evolve. And, um, you know, for me personally, that dog had to be vaccinated. If they wanted to come to, you know, to doggy daycare and, and socialize and play that dog has to, had to have back, you know, going back seven years, um, 
it's vaccination every year, right? If they didn't have a vaccination every year um, at the time, they couldn't come, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know, that was that was the rules, you know. Um, but you know, obviously things have evolved these days. Um, but you know that how I suppose yeah. How does your clients take? You know, how do they react to that sort of stuff? You know, obviously there's tests you can do to make sure that they're they're still um, you know still vaccinated, as in you're still in the system and stuff like that. But how how do they sort of um, find that? Some of my clients really are receptive. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my goal is like not to convince or persuade everyone to stop vaccinating, but yep. to like at least reduce the number of vaccines that the mm -hmm. dog is getting, because I do think it very directly impacts gut health, mm -hmm. which again is related to yep. emotional health, behavior, yep stuff like that. And yeah. also, um, you know, like when you're, again, like if the dog's physically not feeling well, their nervous system is going to be out of whack and then they might be more reactive mm -hmm. or, um, you know, different things like that. I try to explain that way. Mm -hmm. So if I can just convince a few people to like reduce the number of vaccines that mm -hmm. their dog is getting, like I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Personally, I stopped vaccinating my dogs in 2014. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the dogs I have now have had vaccines, but yeah. not in like seven years. Yeah, for sure. And how does that, um, you know, to go, how does it go in regards to, you know, going into, um, you know, public spaces, um, you know, obviously uh, rabies and things like that. So, you know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, <laughs> you know too much about this particular subject. So I'd love to hear some. Um, you mean like if I bring my dogs out in public? Or? Yeah, yeah. Are there any sort of restrictions in regards to like if we, for instance, here in Australia, um, there's obviously diseases that go around like kennel cough and, and um, you know, if we were to take the dogs to the kennel or, uh, um, you know, certain areas, they have, you know, they have to see or proof of vaccination. If I go to a, um, a club event, they, they do random vaccination checks and things like that uh, in our club um, for our sports stuff. So how does that... Um, how does that sit there with you guys, that sort of stuff or no issues? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you take your puppy to a class, like yes. I was giving classes at like a vet hospital and a pet store. And obviously like those facilities require everyone to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, and of course the dog sports, I'm sure it's the same thing here. Mm -hmm. My dogs, I don't do anything really formal with them where we're in a club setting yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I imagine some of those places might start accepting titers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, otherwise I just, I walk my dogs in the woods. Yeah. Um, they're not really fond of other dogs. So I keep them away from other dogs. So I don't um, really interact with other owners who yeah. are concerned about yeah. their vaccination status yeah awesome and do you um do you get it tested to see their immunity levels or just just don't worry about that at all i don't worry about it honestly yeah, no that's okay you know, like uh, you know <laughs> they're um, healthy <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that's exactly right so um like i said it's not something that i know too much about and be, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just you know very interested in asking um you know have you you know um, have you also felt that the holistic side of things, um, there's been a bit of a movement and, and, you know, some people, uh, you know, more receptive, obviously to raw to the, you know, to, um, you know, to less vaccinations, um, you know, more, 
you know, outside the box style of, of training, such as drag work and things like that as well. Um, you know, over the last few years, obviously, um, you know, since you've been out on your own in 2015, is that right? Um, yes. Yeah. You know, how have you found people's personality and, and uh, you know, the attitude of not just um, clients, but colleagues in the industry and, and vets as well? Have you seen much of a, a change and more of an open mind these days? Oh, definitely. People are definitely moving in that direction. And, um, you know, I really started raw feeding, like I said, I think eight or nine years ago. And it was when I started really hanging out with other dog trainers yeah, or dog professionals. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. I call them real dog people, RDPs. <laughs> All those people were feeding raw. And I yeah. was like, oh, I guess I need to get my dogs on raw. And mm -hmm. then, you know, when you start researching raw, you start talking to people who are also doing things a little more holistically, less mm -hmm. vaccines, less meds, yeah. you know, less chemicals for fleas and ticks, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. 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 Look, I, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a, a bit of a, um, oh, how can I say it? I won't say a movement because I don't like that word, but um, you know, more people seeking out education around this subject. Um, hence why the podcast is here. <laughs> yeah. And I actually have a question for you because yeah. I, I also tell people that, mm. especially with puppies to try and keep them intact if they can mm. for mm. at least two years, mm. I don't know how it is in Australia, but there's a huge stigma around um, spay and neuter here. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of pressure to do early spay and neuter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so some uh, rescue groups or rehoming groups will will um, we say I say dissex, but you know, sp you know, spay and neuter, same same thing. Yeah, um, they will actually desex the puppy before you receive it at seven or eight weeks. Um, you know, I know some breeders who do that. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, yeah, look, you know, certainly not ideal, far from it, um, you know, and, you know, yeah, I'm, I do not encourage it at, at, at all, you know, however, um, you know, letting, talking to people and saying, hey, at two years, you know, what is the, you know, what's the purpose or what's your goal for this particular animal? Um, because if, it, if this, you know, if it's just to be a family pet, well, hey, we need to have that conversation, you know. Um, right. you know, so for me, like I've got two, two, two GSPs here, perfect examples. Look, they're, they're totally from two totally different breeders. Right. So obviously their, um, uh, their confirmation is different. However, one was done early and, uh, he's two and a half and he's a big, tall, lanky, goofy dog. Yeah. Um, he's got no structure substance to his, um, you know, uh, to his physique whatsoever. We drag stuff like that. Um, and I, I, one of the contributing factors I probably put it down to is that early, um, neuter for sure. Um, you know, whereas Noah's, uh, my other dogs, five and a half still intact, you know, he's just, you know, a, he just seems to put on muscle very quickly. And I sort of trace that back to testosterone that he's still got in his body. Um, to, you know, the type of training that we're doing, you know, so there's a, there's, there, you know, if you looked at them, you can clearly see they're two different breeding, you know, from two different breeders, right? That's clearly evident. However, you know, I think that if the other dog was still intact, 
um, doing the training and, the, and the, the things that we're doing, he would be um, a much more impressive dog than what he is just as a as an observation, you know, to look at, you know, from the eye. Um, but I th also think that it has a, a flow on effect through the behaviours as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, from a, a point of view from, uh, you know, a puppy buyer or a puppy owner, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be waiting at least, you know, till they're, you know, over 12 months, somewhere between that one to one to 18 months of age range group. That's, that's my personal opinion, you know, and everyone can have their own personal opinions that we love about the dog world. We always have, you know, different opinions on different things. And um, it's a matter of taking it on board and, um, you know, seeing what, uh, you know, suits you and your, your family best, you know, um, in saying that one dog also the intact Noah he pisses on everything every chance he gets he, he marks you know what I mean it does my head in right there'll be you know there'll be 10 fence posts he'll piss on every 10 and every post right <laughs> um and when the you know when the the dog next door is in season I've got to be very careful you know so there's there's pros and cons to that stuff <laughs> Oh yeah. There's never like a cut and dry, like, yes, you should neuter. No, you shouldn't neuter, or it has to be done at this age. Like yeah. it's, I think again, like I said, every owner is unique. Every dog is unique. Every situation is unique. Yeah. Um, I do think the, like the pediatric spay and neuter or mm -hmm. like, that's mm -hmm. what they're calling it when the dog's like, you know, a baby basically. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that it, can be detrimental. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, um, and I don't know where the philosophy for, you know, from the breeding, look, they don't want more puppies, right? They're, they're inundated, um, you know, with puppies, they, you know, they, they don't want any more just random breeding. So therefore they have to, you know, rehome more dogs and things like that. Yeah. So look, I get that, but fuck, you know, let's have a look at the other side from a, a mental physical capacity from that dog you know we're doing it potentially an injustice yeah oh yeah and i haven't quite pulled all the stats yet but i have like an intake form for my clients and like mm -hmm. i said i i mainly specialize in dogs with behavioral issues mm -hmm. uh definitely focusing on aggression mm -hmm. and what is everybody kind of like the mainstream makes you think like a like an intact male would have aggression issues right yeah, yeah but actually most of my clients are neutered male dogs yeah, yeah okay interesting and mm -hmm. most of the dogs i see with aggression issues are neutered males yeah yeah so it's interesting as well like that's a it's a good myth to bust right here and right now for any clients that maybe want to listen you know jump in a facebook group my dog's aggressive First thing that comes, I'm going to, he's, uh, he's booked in to be dissexed at the vet next week. He'll be fine after that. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. No, exactly. And and show me the statistics or the evidence that uh, is out there that, I don't know, let's just say a thousand dogs were, were tested. Um, they had aggression or some form of reactivity. They were, they were dissexed and now they're fine, you know, with no training, no, no conditioning put in behind that whatsoever. Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a, a general, uh, general uh, pet owner and you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, we all, we encourage you to seek out a uh, professional trainer. Um, but that's certainly a myth out there that is uh, um, bullshit. <laughs> we call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think, again, it's like also partly the confusion of the owner Mm -hmm. of how to deal with the issue and just like hoping or wishing that there's like a quick fix. Like, oh, if I just get them neutered, you know, and like, again, that's one piece of the puzzle. For sure, and you know, even if you look at if we look at it as well, just while we, before we move on, but you know, let's just say uh, an in, um, a dog because we base it on kilograms here or the dog's weight. Um, if they're an older dog, to, you know, the vet will give them a quote based on um, uh, yeah how much the dog weighs. Um, you know, so potentially that that cost, let's just say it could be anywhere from one hundred to five hundred dollars, depending on what vet you go to um, to have that done. You know, that's a, you know, if you're looking at, um, that's a consultation fee with a trainer or some trainers will, excuse me, uh, trainers will even chat to you for free before you even consider that, you know? So um, if it's a, just, you know, if it comes down to sometimes finances, well, you know, just take a moment, do some research into trainers as well. Once again, all dog trainers are not, um, you know, personal opinion are not built either evenly as well. Um, So do your research on your trainer and uh, reach out to one or two or three before you have that done, you know, because you will get, you will get varied opinions on that as well, but it's not going to be the quick fix um, that most people think it is going to be. Right. Yeah. And I think it's great what you said, like to reach Mm -hmm. out to even multiple trainers Mm -hmm. and then find somebody who like you sort of resonate with and then take in all that information and like go with your gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, just to, to further on that, you know, I believe that, um, you know, a, a trainer, um, let's just say, a, you know, a dog trainer out there should be, you know, continuing their education, should be reaching out with others, networking, you know, um, look, we're not going to get into methodologies because I don't like to get into methodologies um, with this particular podcast, <laughs> you know, um, with it, you know, whether you're positive only, balanced, whatever, you know, we won't get into that. And I, I stay away from tools and methodology in this particular podcast. It's about health and nutrition, <laughs> you know, and fit and well-being, um, you know, but it's a big can of worms that potentially is out there as well. So once again, you know, um, and that's the beauty of a podcast, you can listen to um, someone, I know that we'll talk about your podcast in a moment as well. You can listen to someone and really get a feel for um, whether you want to either give them a call or, or you know, reach out to them via email um, before you even pay them a cent. Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually sometimes give people too much information for free when they call me and I kind of like solve their problem over the phone. I think we're all guilty of that, aren't we? <laughs> and then they, they like book the lesson, but then they like cancel it because I already fixed the problem. <laughs> over the phone, like, hey, maybe try this or try this. Okay, no worries. I think uh, we... Um, but I mean, I'm happy for them if that works. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes though, it just doesn't pay our bills though, does it? Right. <laughs> you know, we love animals and we love helping people. But at the end of the day, sometimes, uh, you know, we still have uh, mortgages and, uh, you know, uh, we need to put food on the table as well. So I... I I'm exactly the same. Um, you know, I have to be very, very, very conscious of uh, that as well. You know, people messaging me on Facebook, um, particularly for a number of, uh, to help their problems, you know, or, or you know, um, but that's the point of putting out some free content such as this is to, you know, if one thing resonates with them, um, you know, and then, hey, you know, that Daniel or that Leo chick, she was pretty cool. I'm in, you know, I'm not far. I'm going to reach out to her, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, the uh, that's interesting. You know, obviously we've we we'd like to jump around a little bit on the on the podcast, but um, can you tell us a little bit about um, you know the the training techniques in the, the you know the play type stuff that you um, you know you advocate and, and use with your with your clients as well? I really I know that you've got a number of, of podcasts. And we'll talk about like I said, I'll talk about that shortly. But um, you know, uh, I know that there's a big emphasis on on play and and you know tapping into those drives. Yeah, sure. Um, I do a lot of, well, I call it bite work. Most mm. people don't know what that is mm. or the layperson, I guess, maybe doesn't, but it's basically just playing tug with your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really activates their natural drive mm-hmm. and it gets the dog to engage with you because it mm. satisfies their need to like bite. Some dogs have a need to actually like fight for the mm-hmm. toy, which is why you tug. But then like, I always coach people, let the dog win the toy because mm-hmm. that's how they capture their prey mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes them feel really confident. Like if you do watch um, actual bite work videos where the dog wins the sleeve mm-hmm. and what do they do? They like sort of like parade the dog around and it carries the sleeve and it looks really happy and it's like prancing around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that like emotional satisfaction that the dog feels from winning mm-hmm. that actually it builds their confidence and it makes them want to continue to engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're using that um, primary, as a primary reward um, more than say uh, f- uh, food or treats and things like that. Or you, you're just really working on, um, um, you know, that play or that bite um, rather than using the, you know, rather than using the other. I actually use both and I like to start people on food. Um, But then we kind of see like some dogs, I feel like have a much higher toy drive Mm -hmm. and some dogs have a much higher food drive. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's good if they can do both and I would like them to be able to do both. But then like, when you really want to get down to the nitty gritty of the training, you have to say like, what is really motivating this particular dog? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And once again, it comes down to that individual dog and and also owner as well. Yeah. Yeah. Some owners are not quite as comfortable with the tug work and the bite work, especially if their dog already has a bite history. They're a little Mm -hmm. confused. They're like, well, aren't we trying to teach him not to bite? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what we're actually doing is showing him what to bite, where to bite, how to bite, when to bite. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I already said when, but yeah, yeah. you know, all those different mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. like he knows where to put the bite mm-hmm. and we can actually put it on command, but we can also make it really fun and playful. So like, if you have a dog that does have a bite history, that doesn't feel good to the dog. They don't really like, no, I haven't met a dog that actually wants to bite someone, you yeah. know, unless yeah. it's a trained protection or working dog. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing their job. They're not they're not biting out of reactivity, I mm. guess is what I'm saying. They're in a state of drive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I used to own Malamars and, uh, you know, there'd be many a times where I'd uh, almost be losing my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I understand some people's hesitation sometimes, uh, you know, when you've got a very, very high drive dog and they want to, and you're playing tug, but it's all about, you know, learning how to do it correctly um, yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I do 
really encourage people to seek out uh, a trainer and learn in person because mm-hmm. no matter how many videos you watch or podcasts you listen to, mm-hmm. there there are just it's a very nuanced thing that um, you want to help build up the dog's bite mm-hmm. in a certain way and. Um, yeah, it's really important to learn it from somebody, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, look, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing a number of, of workshops now while the trainers pop up around Australia, um, you know, really focusing on that that power of the, the play, you know, and the, and the, the tug, or, you know, et cetera. So um, it's certainly, um, you know, more people are adopting that, you know, uh, I suppose that type of, type of um, play and interaction engagement with the dog, which is fantastic. Yeah, and we can keep it really playful. Like yeah. I use a sleeve with my dogs. Yeah, that does tend to freak people out yeah. who have pet dogs. <laughs> but um, for for the dog, it's really it's all play. Yeah, yeah, um, and and you know you're tapping into the right drives, and and like I said, it, it's fun. Um, so anyone listening, certainly you know, um, encourage you to, um, like as you mentioned, reach out to a, a trainer um, that you know, knows what they're talking about in regards to that type of stuff. Yeah, certainly. Because I myself have been to some trainers that, um, you know, looking back now, I can see there's a lot of uh, fear mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, too much, too much pressure. I won't go yeah. into it, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and we want to keep it, you know, uh, super fun and, and engaging and, and positive for the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, so. The Alpha Bitch podcast. <laughs> you were talking about me, you know, like, oh, I might swear occasionally. I've dropped a heap of swear words and you've been like, oh, I haven't, you know, haven't dropped one. I'm like, fantastic. And then we're talking about the Alpha Bitch podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think I just feel a little more self-conscious speaking with somebody than when I'm like alone. And I just like, I, I mean, I sometimes just go off on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all good. Um, so tell me about the podcast. Yeah, I guess um, I just love listening to podcasts because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a really easy way to take in information. And mm-hmm. I feel like we're already like looking at screens and so many hours of the day or I do like Mm -hmm. I definitely am addicted to my phone so it's much more relaxing for me to just um, be able to listen take that information in and also I found producing the podcast was uh, I felt much less inhibited without being recorded because I have made a bunch of YouTube videos and it takes a lot of energy to be in front of the camera. Yeah. And and not everyone's um, is comfortable in front of the camera as well. You know, so um, it's, it's the reason I ask, I'm doing a presentation in a couple of days for a group of um, uh, dog trainers uh, and the, uh, um, the presentation is on uh, uh, pet, you know, a podcast, I've called it podcasting for pet professionals, you know, so going through the um, everything from why pod, you know, why podcasting and, and, you know, things like that. But the benefits and how you can get started on a very smaller budget without having to, you know, spend hours and hours editing and things like that. But I won't get into that in, in detail, you know, but I'm really interested in, you know, your take on, you know, how or exactly what you just said, you know, how you got started in the podcast and, you know, what is, how, how clients have been receptive and also, you know, has it been worth your time? 
Oh, definitely. I feel like a lot of my clients have engaged much more with the podcast than they do mm-hmm. with the YouTube channel. Again, I think it's just because it's really easy to subscribe, get the notification, and then listen to it while you're doing other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can still, you could like be washing the dishes or doing your laundry, but like listening, whereas mm-hmm. like, um, you know, watching a video you kind of have to like sit down and pay attention yeah. to the video. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like people really love the podcast. Yeah. I don't know. They love the format. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, was there any particular reason why you decided to do a podcast? I can't really remember what was the actual inspiration. Yeah. yeah. Um. I will say some people have given me a hard time about the name <laughs> because Who cares? They, think I'm, <laughs> they think I'm promoting alpha training, like alpha, okay. like pack style, sure. Sure. which mm-hmm. I don't. I just thought mm-hmm. the name was mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who would have, who, who would have thought of a, a, um, a podcast called dogs and deadlifts, you know? Um, yeah. There's a, there's a podcast out there called sexier than a squirrel. You know, there's, um, <laughs> you know, there's another podcast out there called um, drinking from the toilet, you know, like these are all podcast names that dog trainers are doing, you know? So um, I think you need to, to differentiate yourself in a world that is potentially has um, a number of uh, dog trainers, popping up left, right and center, you really need to differentiate yourself. So, you know, uh, finding a good name um, or a different name um, is certainly top of the list. Yeah, it was just something to like catch people's attention, basically. Yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. So where can they find, you know, on that, where can they find uh, that podcast and a little bit more information about yourself? Sure, um, I do have a website, it's mm-hmm. caninemovementlab.com mm-hmm. and the podcast is called alpha bitch podcast yeah. on so, spotify apple all that sort on of stuff. spotify mm-hmm. apple mm-hmm. um you can also find it on my website if mm-hmm. if you want to just listen to it online yeah. i mean like in a browser or whatever yeah. um so yeah canine movement lab.com and alpha bitch podcast mm-hmm. and i also have a mighty network i kind of just transitioned away from facebook Mm-hmm. into um mighty networks so i do have a free community there if people want to join that yeah sure and uh, i can link that in the group if you're sorry under the show notes if you're okay with that um i'm not yeah. familiar with that myself at this point in time um you know i keep on getting all these clubhouse invites and stuff like that and i'm like oh you know i'll um i've got enough on my plate in regards to social medias at the moment but certainly if you're happy i can link in the show notes to that as well um so you know on that uh thank you very much for joining us today here at the dogs and deadlifts podcast i really appreciate your time thank you so much i really enjoyed it no not a problem at all guys so if you're out there if you liked uh, what you've heard today please feel free to like subscribe and share uh reach out to either uh leah or myself and we'll see you in the next episode Are you looking for the perfect gift for you or a friend that loves dogs and fitness? Dogs and Deadlifts has you covered with merchandise and giftware, including t-shirts, hoodies, cushion covers, mugs, plus much more. Head over to teespring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. That's T-E-E-Spring.com forward slash dogs and deadlifts. Or check out the link in the podcast notes.